0: Number 16. And good to see Miss Angela back tonight after surgery. And God bless you. And uh, back on top side. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for your prayers, she says. And uh, so we uh, do appreciate that. And good to see the Whitleys. And uh, congratulations. Uh, the Lord has blessed you again. And we thank the Lord for that. Another grandbaby in that household. And uh, praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> By the way, uh, uh, this was uh, on, on get my day straightened out we're on Wednesday on Monday uh, a- Abigail Sparks um, started having acute pain in her side and uh, they, anyway she ended up going to um, emergency room here and it was a long wait and, and so then, she, then they went to Moses Cone she wound up at Brenner's Children's Hospital and had surgery on yesterday, and they thought she was going to be a two-night stay, ended up taking her appendix out, thought there's other surgeries going to have to be done, but the Lord fixed that part. And, uh, her intestines had gotten all knotted up, but the Lord took care of that. And, uh, and, uh, so anyway, they sent her home the same, same evening. So praise the Lord for that. So it's been a bumpy week and a, and a tiresome week for that clan. So you keep them in prayer tonight if you would. Proverbs chapter number 16, Proverbs chapter number 16, and let's pray. We'll jump right in the study of the word of God. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for the Bible, and thank you so much that we can learn from it week by week. And Lord, just again line upon line, precept upon precept tonight, teach us a truth that will help us to live a life that honors our Savior. In thy name. Amen. We're in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 14. Verse number 14. The Bible says the wrath of a king is as a messengers of death. But a wise man will pacify it. The word pacify means to calm, to quiet, to restore peace. So the wrath, this is an angry king. The wrath of a king is as messengers of death. As messengers of death. A king's got a lot of power, doesn't he? And he has uh, uh, people that he can dispatch and uh um, reminds me of the time when Daniel was a young man and the king was frustrated because he couldn't get any answers for his dream. Remember that? He said, go round up all the wise men, just kill them all, execute them all. And then, and they came with a decree, said you're going to be executed. And he said, hold on just a minute. Do I get a chance to answer? And anyway, he went to the Lord, Amen. And God gave him an answer. But you know, a mad king, uh, a mad king is somebody filled, filled with wrath, filled with anger. Uh, you can't think straight, and uh and people die. And but well, the Bible said a wise man is somebody who can pacify wrath, pacify anger. Here's a statement: wise men. ...know how to bring tempers down. Wise men and ladies, of course. Wise men know how to bring tempers down. Now, it's interesting here. The word messenger is plural. And I get this picture in my mind. So here's a king and he's mad and he gives some kind of a dictate. And here comes a, a several people... And, uh, and, 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 somebody's getting ready to get hurt really bad or die and people are piling on. And, uh, and, uh, and let, let me say this. Young people listen carefully. Everybody listen to, listen to me. If somebody else is mad, uh, don't, don't pile on. We see that in our society. We are living in a lawless society. A lawless society. I'm thinking about a video that came out about a month ago, I guess it was, and I saw the watched the video, and there was some some fella took off running full steam and shoved a a, a man. According to the news report I saw, this is a captain of a boat or something, some leader on a boat. I guess I don't know if it was a cruise or what it was, but pretty soon it turned into a brawl. Of course, the news media tries to make it, you know. Uh, whatever, they try to make it. But anyway, the, the, I, you know, the sad thing is this, is two men in a fight and pretty soon 35 people are in a fight. Seriously? Really? Now, God's people, we don't act that way. Amen? God's people don't, God's people don't act that way. Amen? God's people pacify anger. God's people calm a situation down. Let me ask you a question. If there's an argument, if there's a heated conversation, will you put your two cents in? Uh, does the heat rise or fall? <laughs> when you have your comment to make, does it make the situation better or does it calm it down? Wise men and women are needed when tempers begin to flare. Let me just testify for a moment. I thank God that I grew up in a home that was civil. Civil. Now, we, are, we argued as brothers and sisters. We argued. And a, uh, it, it, it didn't get out of hand or there was a hand came, landed on us in a particular strategic place. But anyway, but, but we argued. We kids argue. But, you know, I don't ever remember uh, my mom and dad arguing. My whole life, I don't remember them arguing with each other. Now, there's a few times they went behind the door and there was yelling screaming and big thuds. I never knew what that was, but that's a joke. (laughs) But I don't don't ever remember them raising their voice in anger. I have no memory whatsoever of a single time of either of my parents raising their voice in anger. I didn't worry about dad raising his voice. It's when he lowered his voice. That fear came and trembling came upon us. And uh, anyway, uh, listen, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, you don't lose it. You don't lose it. You don't lose it. Um, Proverbs 26, 17 said, He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. If you get a hold of a dog that's mad by the ears, you're just plain dumb is what you are. you get getting ready to lose a nose. <laughs> and the Bible said a person that walks by and they see an argument and they run in there and get in there. <laughs> the Bible said you're a fool. You're a fool. Wise people know how to calm things down. Wise people know how to turn the temperature down. Wise leaders do not act when they're angry. People get angry, wise people get angry. But wise leaders don't act out of anger. That's what this king is doing. He's mad, so he sends it. You tell those guys, go send word and, and drag him in. You know, he need to calm down first. And so wise leaders do not respond in anger. They don't correct in anger. Yes, they get angry and may even use anger as a tool to correct but they do not correct because they're angry. Do you understand the difference? Is a big difference. Let me read that again. Yes, wise leaders get angry and may even use angry anger as a tool to correct, but they do not correct because they're angry. They 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 use anger because the situation merits it. Now, uh once uh, uh Once in a while, listen, leaders, moms, dads, teachers, you need a bomb in the closet. You need a bomb in the closet. I'm talking about about an atomic bomb in your closet. Now, don't ever use it. But once in a while, just open the door and show it to the people. Amen. Say, if we need to, this is here. And uh, I remember one time Dr. Ray Young has taught priest here many times, and just the most mild, civil, kind, courteous man and and I, I had a situation and, and I was under his leadership at the time, and I had a situation where i had uh, i don 't know forty or so forty or fifty workers and uh, Another ministry person, not in my ministry but another ministry, was just causing problems just Nitpicking and heckling and and just just giving grief over and again. And I approached said, Hey, look, man, come on. You know, once you go over there, if that's what you want to divine, just let us be. And he just got in his head that he wanted to run somebody else's boat or whatever. And and I and and I just uh, it got grief. It was causing issues with the workers and it was hindering the work. And I took it to Brother Young to Doctor Young. I said, Brother Young, I said, I hate to bring this to you, but this is the issue. And so. Called the man in, addressed it with him, and it did not stop. And uh, I think I don't know how many times he was called. And finally, uh, finally, it kept going. And, and finally, uh, we wound up in his office together. And I don't know why this man it just took upon himself to cause grief uh, to to our area of the ministry. And anyway, but he did. And Doctor Young said, "Now, I said, now listen, you you need to mind your ministry." And leave these workers alone. That's not your area. It's not your responsibility. You leave them alone and you go do your work and you'll be more productive that way. And he said, Well, yeah, but I know, but there he said, Now wait a minute. He said, Listen, listen, that's not your area. You stay out of it. You're not the leader there. You stay out of it, and you take care of business where you need to take care of business. And he about three or four times argued. Now, Dr. Ray Young's one of the most mild men I've ever met in my life. And all of a sudden, Dr. Ray Young took his hand. Slapped it on the desk like that. He said, you get out of my office. You have lost your ministry position. And I went. <clears throat> the man turned and walked out of the office. And Dr. Young followed him out. Closed the door. And he turned around and he said, you know, I sure hope that helped him. I didn't know what else to do to try to get through that. I was like. <laughs> I was still trembling. Like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> And I I realized something. He didn't lose his temper. He tried every which way he could to try to help this young man who's training for ministry, but he couldn't get through his thick head. And he used anger to try to get his point across. Not because he lost it, but because he wanted to help the young man. (laughs) When he closed that door and turned around and said, I really hope that helped that. I was like, who are you? (laughs) And... uh, I made up my mind I'd never be on the receiving end of that. Amen. And, uh, but, uh, I found out he had a bomb in the closet. But, uh, but listen, listen, wise people, wise people will do everything within their power to pacify, uh, situations when they get heated. Wise men are not without emotion, but they are not controlled by emotion. They rather control their emotion. Now I'll be careful here, but uh, but it's not right for a pastor or a preacher to lose his temper in the pulpit. That's not right. It's not right for a mother to lose her temper correcting her children. Or a dad to lose his temper. Listen, I said this, I'll say it again, moms and dads, and it's good advice for, for preachers in the pulpit, but it's good advice for parents too. If you if you're if you're about ready to blow your top, listen. You, if you blow your top, it ought to be on purpose, not because you're upset. And that ought to be rare and only when it's necessary to help the situation. Sometimes emotions, you do need to get fired up about something. Man, there's been times in my, my I, I bring my notes to the pulpit, there's been times I make a little note right here and and, and in, in in my outline. All right, throw a fit here. I get to that spot, I throw a fit. Not, not because I'm losing it, because right there, we just need a fit for right there. We just need to emphasize that. Now, listen, that's what wise people do. They, they're not controlled by anger, but they will use anger. Just what Jesus did. Do you remember John 2.15? Jesus went in the temple. He saw the money changers. He saw the people desecrating the temple. So what did he do? He went and found some cords. He sat down the Bible said and he made a scourge of small cords he took cords and i'm I'm imagining again uh, uh, the Bibles not this specific but I'm imagining that he took them and, and bound them together somehow maybe interwove them some how? But the Bible said he made a scourge and tied them off at the end. And then he went in the temple and he flipped tables and he whipped the money changers. He drove them, drove their animal. I mean, he threw a holy fit. He didn't lose it. He got angry on purpose. Amen? Now, listen to me. Let me tell you. Something. This this society, this, you go down, we go down uh, Friendly Avenue. And what's the science? It's some liberal church. I don't even know what it is. But it's some little church. They got the dumbest signs out there. But I forgot what the latest one says. Uh, 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 love, every, love, love everyone, and in parenthesis, no exceptions. Now let me tell you what that means. Coming from a church that doesn't believe in the sinless life of Christ, doesn't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus, uh, of, of the Savior, doesn't believe He died vicariously and rose from the dead, bodily from the dead. Let me tell you what that means. That means give a nod to every single, uh, 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 display of human depravity and call it love. But it's not love. It's not love. There ought to be some things that we ought to be fired up about. Amen? And, uh, and, and, and the Lord was. Uh, uh wise men are not without emotion, but they are not controlled by emotion. Here's Luke 21, 19. In your patience, possess ye your souls. You know how we say that today? Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> that's what. We, that's why we say that. But the Bible said it this way. Possess ye your souls. Now, let me tell you what we need. We need some wise men. Young men, hey, are you wise? Rudyard. Kipling, in his famous poem, If, said this. Can you keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you? If you can, yours is the world, my son. And what's more, you'll be a man. Amen? So, keep your head about you. Look at verse 15. In the light of the king's countenance is life. In the light of... Of the king's countenance is life. Look at it just a moment. Where's the countenance? Where's the countenance? That's your face, right? So imagine this now. In the light of the king's countenance is life. And his favor is as a cloud of the latter rain. A refreshing rain. A gentle, refreshing rain. Now... Uh, what he's talking about is a, is a king or a leader that's pleased and his face lights up that's what he's talking about so here's a statement it is refreshing to know that you have pleased your leader it is refreshing to know that you have pleased your leader um Now, certainly, our first goal is to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that right? But it is good to be motivated by a desire to please your leader as well. There's nothing wrong with wanting to please. It's good and wholesome and right to want to please your leader, please your boss at work. Please your manager. Uh, please your superintendent. Uh, please your foreman. Young people, there ought to be something inside of you that says, I want to please my mother. I want to please my father. Now look at it for just a moment. Adults, listen to this. If, if that is a good, wholesome, health, healthy thing, and it's like a refreshing rain to parched ground, and, 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 and the Bible talks about, uh, uh, the, the, the light of the king's countenance, then, you know, your countenance I ought to give some light off. If your face was the sky, would it be sun shining? Or thundering and lightning? <laughs> that, that the light of, of when somebody's face lights up. When somebody looks at you and their face lights up, the Bible says that's like a, Cool, general. it's so refreshing. It's wonderful. There ought to be some light in our countenance. Now listen, uh, 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 parents, listen, parents. Uh, that This doesn't mean you give a nod to everything. You know, we live in a society that these kids shouldn't be corrected. I read a statistic today. It was, oh my goodness, I, 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 this is going to be piecemeal, forgive me. I read a statistic today and... Uh, it's something like less than 25% of parents think that obedience is a big deal. On what, what are important character, uh, character traits for your children, obedience was 25% or less. And, and what outranked it, a virtue that we want our kids to have, was more important to parents than obedience. Tolerance. Which is a buzzword for people that want us to give a nod to every devilish and wicked, vile perversion that's out there. Tolerance. Anyway, but, uh, but yes, we ought to, we ought to train for it and expect obedience, but, but we, we ought to be able to be pleased. Amen? Yeah. Somebody said whoever praises the child controls the child. There's a lot of truth to that. Parents, the first thing that we can do to tie heartstrings with our children, I believe, is to have our faces light up when we see them. Look them in the eye and smile. Take time. Look at each other. Make eye contact. And smile. Amen? Delight in them. You know, I, I think about this. I, I, remember, I remember feeling as a kid that I brought joy to my parents. I remember feeling that as a kid. You know what a, a smile says? A smile says, uh, I, I like you. I enjoy you i like I like being around you i i I, I want to be around that 's what a smile says and then I started thinking about some of the dumb things that I did as a kid, just dumb antics you know I mean just really i, I and i you know me i 'm not really too shy to embarrass myself in the pulpit but uh, some things I'm thinking about, I'm a little too shy to do it. But anyway, just dumb things that you do as a kid, you know. And they laugh like it's the funniest thing in all the world. And I remember later on thinking, you know, that really wasn't that funny. <laughs> but they thought they laughed. Amen. And they took joy in us as their children. And, uh, you know, there ought to be something in our hearts that says, I, I want to please... Of heaven, I want I want to please the King of Kings, Amen. that to be something also. That we want to please our leaders, Amen. You all remember the famous. Many of you remember the famous hockey match. They called it the Miracle on Ice, February twenty second, nineteen eighty. The Cold War war had hung thick and heavy over our nation, and and a group of young teenage twenty something young lads took on. Soviet Russia. Professional hockey players. Purported to be the best. One of the best teams ever put together. In the history of ice hockey. And we met them in the Olympics. And. Uh, <laughs> it was more than a hockey match. And. Those boys I think they were down. They were down by several. By several goals. At the half. And they inched their way back. And. Uh. Jim Craig was the goalie. And he stopped umpteen hockey pucks from going in that goal. And those boys edged them out. And, I mean, the place erupted and the nation erupted. But there is an iconic picture. A fan jumped over the wall with a flag. I mean, you know what I'm getting ready to say. Jumped over the wall with a flag. And Jim Craig wrapped that flag around his neck. And you know what he did? He started skating the outside of the rink. I mean, people are clamoring for him, and he's, he's skating like this. He's looking. And they asked him, said, who are you looking for? He said, I was looking for my dad. My dad was in the stands. All those thousands of people. And I don't know how many people look at home looking on television screen. You know, he was concerned about He wanted to see his dad's face light up. That's what he wanted to see. I love that story of the NFC, NFC Championship, December thirty first, 1967. It was the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, they were playing in Green Bay. The game was called the Ice Bowl because the temperature was 41 degrees below zero wind chill factor. Playing football. NFC Championship. It came down to the final play. The Cowboys were leading the, the Packers 17 to 14, and there were 16 seconds left in the game. The Packers were on the one yard line. Bart Starr was a quarterback. Jerry Kramer was the, was the offensive lineman. And quarterback Bart Starr, he said, Jerry, the, the game's on you, buddy. You've got to make me a hole. If you'll make me a hole, I'll get it across the, the goal line. Kramer knew what his job was. He knew the championship was on his shoulders. And when that ball was snapped, he plowed a hole big enough for a Mack truck to go through. And Bart Starr went across the goal line. And Kramer's face was down in the mud, in ice. And bodies like cordwood stacked on top of him. But he heard the cheers. He said, I did it. I did it. I won the game. I won the game. He finally got off the ground, and the team was already moving down the field with Bart Starr lifted up in the air. And there's Jerry Kramer standing by himself, you, good night. I did the work, and all the fans are cheering Bart Starr is up. And all of a sudden, he looked over at the at the bench, and Coach Vince Lombardi wasn't looking at Bart Starr. He wasn't looking at the crowd. He was waiting for Jerry Kramer to look at it. He waited for his eye contact. And when Jerry looked at the bench, coach was looking straight at him and went. i got good news for you. Sometimes what we do for the Lord gets overlooked. But one day when we stand before the King of Kings and his face lights up and he says, Well done, how good and faithful servant. Amen. That would be enough for me. How about you? Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not, the Bible said. Oh, I want the light of the king's countenance. Verse 16 said, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? This is one of the number of verses that talk about the value of wisdom. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? Simple statement. Value, wisdom, and understanding. Value, wisdom, and understanding. Young people put a premium on wisdom and understanding. Value it, treasure it. One of our illustrious liberal, uh, is it a senator? What's the guy? I don't know. That is in the news right now. And they found in his house gold bars (laughs) and cash. In his suit pockets, in his... anybody hear this news? Uh, I forgot his name. I guess it doesn't matter. But anyway, what, what's he been doing? Um, using his position for influence it seems to be a popular thing to do today in politics, does it? Not you, who 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 has gold bars in their bedroom? You know who has thousands of dollars of cash stuffed in your suit pocket? And, uh, anyway, let me tell you something, young people, listen to carefully. Somebody, somebody wants to hand you a gold bar, give you a new BMW like they gave him and his wife, or a wad of cash to get you to do something dishonest, do something shady. You better value wisdom and understanding. Amen. Sadly, many will toss wisdom aside at the first opportunity to pocket a little gold and silver. Brother, uh, Vance Hamner has a book uh, titled, and, uh, um, and uh, 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 playing marbles with diamonds. And he tells a little story about some boys down in, in, uh, in Africa. And it was in a, a mining community where they mined precious gems. And, and, and somebody that knew the stones and so forth had gone down there to see the works. And he saw some of these little boys playing marbles in the dirt. And he looked, he, he said, boys, can I see your marbles for just a minute? And he leaned over and picked them up in crude form some of the fattest diamonds he'd ever seen in his life. And these boys were playing marbles with diamonds. They didn't know the value of what they had. Young people listen to me. You say, oh, it's Wednesday night I've been in school all day and it's late and i got to go home and I'm tired. We're passing out diamonds on Wednesday night. We're passing out things that are truly valuable. Let me tell you something, young people, value wisdom and understanding. Value wisdom and understanding. Young people, don't step into adulthood and trade the treasured gold nuggets of wisdom that you have collected for a few cheap thrills. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. This verse says, how much better is wisdom? I've had it. Just a couple of times, just in the last few days, young men come to me and say, Pastor, could you help me? Give me some advice. Help me with something. I love it. I love it. One called me on the phone, and uh, and I love, I love it. I love it. I love it. One of them, I, I dealt with one of our boys, and I got a little hard with him. And uh, he called me and said, thank you. After a while, he wasn't. He didn't thank me right away, but, <laughs> but he came come. And he said, thank you, thank you. And he realized, he realized. And I wouldn't do that if I didn't love him, if I didn't care about him. I love him with all my heart. I'd take a bullet for him. Let me tell you something, young people, listen to me. Don't you trade the wisdom that your parents have provided for you and your your church family has provided for you and all your Sunday school teachers, school teachers, your pastor, your pastor's wife. Don't you go out in the world and say, well, i got a chance to make money. You're not the first person that ever had a chance to make money. But wisdom is more valuable than money. Don't forget that. Verse number 17. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. The the, the high road it, it gets you away from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Circle the word keep there right next to it, guard. He that keepeth his way, guardeth his way, preserveth his soul. Now here's a statement for you. We'll, we'll play off that word keep, which means to guard. Uh, don't remove the guardrails of your youth. Don't remove the guardrails of your youth. There is no stage of life where you no longer need to depart from evil. Those guardrails are for your safety. For your safety. Um, we were coming down... Uh, 220, about six weeks ago and there was a light rain and we had been on our date I think on Friday night and I had the uh, had the uh, cruise control on which wasn't smart but anyway I had the cruise control on just going down the road road was wet light rain and, um, and all of a sudden the cruise control hit and we hydroplaned and uh, we were close enough to Vision Drive where it was actual guardrail. There's a wire, you know, up several miles up to 20, but we were actually where the guardrail was, and uh, and we hi- we hydroplane, and I had no control whatsoever, and it it was scary for several seconds. It was quite scary. There were folks behind us, folks in front of us, and we were in the left lane coming south, and uh, and uh, and we just started sliding, sliding, and. Uh, And we went over into the grass, and we hit the guardrail, and it pushed us back out across this lane of traffic, this lane of traffic, and we got off to the side of the road. Several folks stopped behind us, got out. Are you okay? Uh, Other than, you know, our heart's beating about 220 beats a minute. (laughs) We were perfectly fine. And uh, it damaged the back quarter panel of the vehicle. actually just hit back here. I thought the whole side of the vehicle would be torn, but it didn't. God was very gracious to us. But I'm sure glad that guardrail was there. Because had it not been there, I would have been head on with the oncoming traffic, the northbound traffic. And I may not be here. Thank God for guardrails. Amen. Now, young people, let me tell you something. There's a lot of cliffs in life. And you're a lot better off to live with guardrails by the cliffs than an ambulance down at the bottom of the hill. A lot of your peers, you men up here. My, my, I, I, I don't. I don't know how many funerals of the year I've done for people my age and younger. Scores and scores and scores of them. We'll have one again tomorrow. Have one again tomorrow. Now, young people, listen. Don't you this this you be careful. Hey, when you get married, that's one of those times. When you go off to college, that's one of those times. When you go out in the workplace for the first time, that's one of those times. You be careful when you have freedoms that you didn't have before. Now you watch it. You keep those guardrails. If your mom and dad, if you grow up in a house and and by the way, it's good for all the families, and the rock music comes on, you got a mute button on that thing. Don't just sit there and tolerate. Look, rock music is rock music, whether it's to a serial commercial or or, or just sitting there with your headphones on, listen You got a mute button. Mute it. Amen. All right, now listen. When you get married, you do the same thing. When you get a digital device for the first time, you follow the same guardrails that you had when you were at home. This is good stuff. It really is good stuff. Depart from evil, the Bible says. Flee youthful lust, the Bible says. I will run the way of thy commandments, the Bible says. Young people, listen to me. Listen. Listen. Look at me. Kids, look at me. Let, let me let me tell you, let me plead with you for a moment. Don't push leadership. Don't push your mom and dad. Don't push your leaders. Well, everybody else ain't got to do that. Maybe because your mom and dad have some sense and they love you, they care about you, trying to keep you safe. Amen. Yeah. Don't push them. Don't push them. Your kids at the school. Don't push leadership. Don't don't see what you can get by with. Let's not have that. Let's just let's just all say, you know what? Them guardrails, you know, they might save my neck one day. They just might save my so I'll just I'll just thank God for the guardrails. Amen? Thank God for the guardrails. Parents, please don't get offended. If we don't move the line for your kid. Yes, sir. If the church leadership doesn't move the line for your kid, don't get offended at us. Right. Listen, parents, listen to me very carefully. We've got a lot of young families here. But let me tell you something. Alan, Ariel, you, your group right there. That class, your class. I'm looking around here. John, Tory, this is where you need... To be careful. When your kids become teenagers. That's when you need to be careful. I'm looking around these young families. Brother Schwartz, that's when you need to be careful. You need to be careful when your kids get to those teen years. Now, they're little right now. But when those kids... Listen, for, for, for 28 years... Listen carefully. For 28 years, I've watched it, I've watched it, I've watched it. Parents start changing and letting up when their kids become teenagers. You know why? The kids come home and say, Well, you know, so-and-so they get to do that. We don't get to do that. How come we can't? They watch that. How come we can't watch that? When they get to go over here and do this, how come they can't do that? And by the way, let me say this. Every... But mom and dad, dad is a king and that's the king and queen of that home. I understand that. Nobody needs to run somebody else's home. But you ought to at least respect one another's home. And if you know that another family in this church is wanting their child to be involved in something, you and your kids have no business introducing them to it. Amen. If you do it, that's your business, it's on you, it's between you and God, and you ought to answer for that. But you ought to have enough decency and respect. For someone else if they have conviction about something, you ought to respect that. Amen? And you don't have any right to introduce somebody or try to influence somebody to do something that that, that 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 the king and queen of that home don't want done. Amen? So kids don't 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 push your parents. Don't push your leaders. And leaders, you just lovingly you just be you just be lovingly stubborn. Amen. Lovingly stubborn. Amen. You just say, listen, you could, you, well, you might be upset about that, but I'm going to be fine. This, you know what every parent needs? And, and good principal needs? Any good leader needs? You need a little bit of, I don't care. I don't care. I mean, I'm going, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have fun. I'm having a good time. But we can't break. I mean, I'm fine. You ain't going to upset me. Amen. No. We are not going to reward whining and complaining and grabbing all that. Anyway. The Bible says, such a one preserveth his soul. This is one of those principles in the Bible. Look at that verse again. Look at it with me there. Verse number 17. This is one of those verses. It's it's, it's a verse to help you. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth or guardeth his way preserveth his soul. His own soul. Kids, this is for your own good. This makes your life better. Remove the guardrail at the peril of your own soul. Your own soulish, emotional well-being. Look, listen. If unfettered access to digital devices is so wonderful, then why, when you drive, when I drive through town, Past the kids on the corners. Wait for the buses. By and large, here's what you see: sullen. I don't wicked. I'm not. Ju- I'm not saying these kids are wicked. I'm just saying you don't see much of this. Souls are fettered. Souls are burdened. With dark things, wicked things, evil things, ungodly things, and their souls—there's no guardrails, and their, their souls are being exposed. And it shows on their countenance. It shows on their countenance. And young people, listen. If if there's some bitterness in your life and you can't smile, you're gonna have to. You gotta get with God. You gotta get along with God. You, don't, you can't stay mad at the world for your, own, for your own soulish well-being. Don't carry that. Look at one more here, verse number 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. Man, this is one of those great things, great verses in the Bible. Humble, here it is. I write this down. Humble yourself and stand, or exalt yourself and fall. It's that simple. Humble yourself and stand, or exalt yourself and fall. Pride goeth before destruction. The Bible is replete with examples. King Saul was too proud to be happy for a teenage boy who killed a giant. The whole nation was excited for him. But the king, the king was unhappy. He was too proud to renounce his foolish decree. He said, anybody that eats anything is going to die. His own son. He was ready to kill his own son. Too proud to say, you know, that was a foolish decree for eating a little honey. And he was too proud to accept his punishment when Samuel faced off with him in front of the people. and said, God's taking the kingdom from you. He was too proud to admit his disobedience and humble himself. And that man, listen, that man who was so humble when he first became king, he was hiding at his own coronation. They had to go find and look for him because he was hiding among the stuff the Bible said. He didn't want the recognition. But that man became so proud, his life ended in destruction. He fell on his own sword and took his own life. Pride. Pride. Now it's, 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 it, 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 the flesh doesn't like it. But admitting when we're wrong, letting somebody else have their way, giving in, uh, taking some injustice. Life's not fair. It's not fair. Guess what? It's not fair. (laughs) Learning to take some injustice without bowing up every time something that's not right. right." Pride goeth before a fall, the Bible said. Amen. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. It's our business to humble ourselves, the Bible says. And that's what we ought to do. And God will bless it and honor it. Let's stand together, shall we?